Hello and welcome to another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. I'm Chris Sork, alongside Dilu, and we come to you uh, here on a Thursday night. Uh, K-State uh, coming off of a uh, weekend game against Iowa State uh, last Saturday, uh, dropping a 78-64 to contest uh, at home to the Cyclones, but rebound uh, going on the road to West Virginia and getting a 65-51 win over the Mountaineers on Big Monday. So, uh, you know, not a great stretch for K-State. Would have really uh, liked to have had that Iowa State game. Of course, um, Dean Wade leaves that game with about nine minutes to go with a foot injury, which had K-State fans fearing the worst uh, in terms of his outlook with the team, but a big part of K-State's win on Monday, uh, Dean Wade was against the Mountaineers, so uh, things are are looking good, at least on that front, as K-State looks to host Oklahoma State this Saturday. We'll preview that. Uh, We'll also highlight a Wildcat legend and answer your questions and ask the icon. Uh, So without any further ado, I'm going to bring in D. Louie here. Uh, to uh, to give his thoughts a little bit on kind of what he saw from K State here. Uh, first, starting off with the Iowa State game, uh, as I mentioned, K State drops that one uh, by by a, a 14 point margin, which uh, is a little interesting. Uh, you know, it was a game that was close. You know, really kind of throughout, K State uh, trailed this game really pretty much the entire time. In Iowa State, of course, when you think about this game, shot the ball really well uh, from behind the arc, and that was the difference. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I hate to throw around the term buzzsaw and, very and often. Also, D. Lou, I just want to just interrupt you real quick. It's, it's a pleasure to be on with you uh, today. Icon, it's, it's always a pleasure to be right alongside you. Uh, but like I was saying, I don't throw around the term buzzsaw all that often, uh, except when, you know, I might be doing a carpentry part project that calls for the term. But uh, Saturday, man, when Iowa State was hitting those shots, when Horton Tucker and uh, Wigington were as on fire as they were, there wasn't, K-State wasn't going to win that game. And especially when Dean goes out, we get into some early foul trouble. It, it seemed like the perfect storm uh, to you know, beat K-State by 14. And so, you know, I, that's a game that I wasn't devastated by uh, just because, like I said, it, it's you're not going to beat a team that that sh- shoots, that makes 14 out of 24 three-pointers very often, especially uh, when Dean Wade goes out. But uh, we were all kind of worried and holding our breath there to see how serious the Wade injury was. And as you mentioned, it turns out it wasn't all that serious because K-State had a nice bounce-back game uh, against West Virginia, especially there uh, in the last 10 minutes or so, seven minutes. But uh, we've had uh, better stretches of the season, and we've had worse stretches of the season, but it's a tough conference, and, and uh, stretches like this are going to happen. Sure, and I want to kind of go back a little bit here to K-State's Lone Star swing uh, on the road against Baylor and Texas. I thought if K-State could come out of that trip going one and one, that that would be pretty good. Um, and they were able to go two and zero. Oh. 
So losing a home game is something you never want to do. It's not what you want. It's not what you want. Of course not. As former Yankees manager Joe Girardi would say during any uh, type of situation. But K-State was able to afford losing a home game. You never want to lose a road game as or a home game, rather, as we say. Well, you never want to lose. Period. A road game either. But when you are as good as K-State has been on the road this season, it does allow you uh, for some slip-ups at home. And K-State's lost twice now at home in, the, in, in Big 12 play with uh, losses to Texas and Iowa State. But they've also were able to go steal those games uh, on the road against those two opponents. So kind of evens out a little bit. Kind of a wash. Yeah, kind of a wash. And, and that's why K-State's in a, in a great position right now as they set atop the conference. That's right. And so you, you take the good with the bad. And it's a good point you had that uh, – good job by you there – that K-State being such a road warrior team this year, it allows you a little bit of wiggle room at home. Yeah. And K-State's been and, wiggling. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, is it's not like K-State's been, been bad at home uh, by any stretch. It's – I mean, that game against Texas early on, you're down two starters. Uh, you are tooth and nail in that game. And then Texas goes on in a shooting onslaught from behind the arc, and, and that's what is the difference there. So, obviously a game that K-State would like to have back, but, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to drop some games, and, and credit to Iowa State. They shot the ball incredibly well. No, not credit to them. They got lucky. They got lucky. Yeah. They, did, not, get, they did get lucky. I mean, they're not going to... But you, got, you have to give them credit. They made the shots. They made the shots. Yeah. You got to give them credit there. Their they, shots they, went in and ours didn't. Yeah. I mean, but, that's, that's what, how, the game, how uh, the game goes. It's make or miss league. No, and... Fair enough, fine, credit to Iowa State. But you it, begrudgingly. Is, it is okay to call that game an outlier. I mean, K-State's, if, sure. K-State's not going to face too many teams the rest of the way that that shoot quite that well. And I'd be surprised if Iowa State had another game this season where they shot it that well. But Well, let's just check in on the Cyclones real quick. They uh, What have they, they been doing since? Well, on Tuesday, they welcomed uh, the Baylor Bears and... My vote, as upstanding members of the media, we have a vote for Conference Coach of the Year, Conference Player of the Year, and all conference teams. That's right. And, D. Louis, I've made my decision on who I'm casting my my vote for, for Conference Coach of the Year, and it's Scott Drew. It's the Scorpion. It, no, it's Scott Drew, the Baylor. Give me a break. Yeah. Give it to the Scorpion. You're a dud. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're you're approaching dud status if you keep this. Well, hey, I'm telling you what, man. Scott Drew is is deserving of the award, and uh, he's got Baylor at eight and five right now in the conference. And Iowa State did not have the same luck shooting from outside. Uh, they hoisted up um, eight three pointers, or excuse me, made eight three pointers uh, out of twenty three uh, for thirty five percent. And uh, when you look at the two guys that killed. K-State with Horton, Tucker, and Wigington. Uh, what did they shoot against K-State, Drew? Well, they went, uh, let's see, 11 of 15. Interesting, because yeah, this is this is some next-level analysis here by me. They went uh, 2 of 10 from behind the two arc uh, against Baylor, which, if you remember correctly, is the exact <laughs> inverse of what I projected K-State to go uh, this year in football, which was 10-2. Wow. So, 
Time is Every, a flat circle, everything, man. Yeah. Everything kind of comes back. Yeah. Know? So exactly. Interesting here, but let's uh, let's get into this game just just briefly. Don't want to spend a ton of time on it. K State was right, uh, as I mentioned earlier. K State was right in this game, uh, really throughout. With they they go in the locker room after the Barry Brown half quarter down seven, get that lead down uh, to one, and. Just can't quite get it there. So Mike McGurl made a layup, seven minutes left. Cuts the score uh, to 57-56. Okay, so Iowa State's still up one. They go down. Wigington nails a three-pointer. K-State answers with a Barry Brown layup. Wigington comes back down the next trip. Barry's a three-pointer, back out to a five-point lead. So it was not only that Iowa State shot uh, an incredible percentage from behind the arc, it was um, the timeliness of those three pointers that really uh, were. Uh, there were several dagger threes that just when K State's getting the momentum, uh, getting the crowd uh, into a frenzy, Iowa State comes back down. And I, I don't think that uh, of the three pointers that Iowa State was was hitting, it, it a couple of them they got. Uh, there was a s- scramble for a loose ball that just ricochets to Wigington in the corner. And he makes a three. Some of, some of that kind of that dumb luck that they were getting, but K State I thought had some pretty good defense on a lot of the Iowa State shots. I mean, if you're getting Horton Tucker to take 25, 26 step back, you know, 25, 26 footer step back shots, you'll live with that. Yeah, no question about that. And uh, you know they were just they were just connecting on them. Well. Yeah, that's like we said. It's 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 at some point it's just an outlier game. Yeah, I, after one of those shots, I remember kind of just thinking to myself, eh, "It's their day." Yeah, I think he texted me that. Yeah. Um, also, one other thing on uh, on Saturday that is worth pointing out, I think uh, Xavier Sneed uh, picked up his second foul with fifteen fifty two left in the half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he came in for one possession. He did come in on defense, bit, yeah. but. I mean, it was literally one possession. I think they put him in for some weird zone, and then Bruce took him out immediately. But we've talked about it before. As thin as this K-State lineup is right now, especially without with, Jada, with well, and, and especially with you know tweener guys that guys that are in the neighborhood of six 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 seven and above. Uh, when you have a guy like Xavier Sneed go out and miss. 15, 16 minutes of the half, that's costly. Um, and, you know, he is probably right now, I would say, our third our third best player. He and, he and Cam are right there. But when you have him... No love for the Belco? Uh, we'll talk about him later. Okay. Okay. But we'll get to him. Uh, when you have him riding the pine for... Eighty yeah. percent of the first half, it's it's killer, and it is, it is. You know, K State had chances, and they were down four at halftime. I'm sorry, they were down seven at halftime. But at that point, it's a, a lot of the game's gone, and you're yeah. not going to get that time back. Yep. And so, um, early foul trouble continues to plague K State, especially uh, with uh, the Scorpions. Um, you know, his penchant for. Not subbing guys back in the game. You yeah. know how many? And you, by the way, you know how many fouls Xavier Sneed finished with on Saturday? Uh, let me guess three. Three. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. 
Yeah, and you hate to see that. Uh, when I was a, and I think I maybe have mentioned this before, but when I was a basketball manager, uh, he would pull Will Spralin out with two fouls in the first half. I looked it up, uh, you know, kind of because it always had kind of bothered me. And uh, Will had never fouled out in his entire career at, at K State. This is a guy that played. Uh, if you look up and down the, the the list of minutes played, he's I don't know exactly where he sits on that list, but. I would assume he's in the top ten, and you got to trust these guys to go out there. Xavier Snead's been a, a rotation piece since the time he got here on campus, and he's started for uh, you know two years. So I, you got to give him a little bit more leeway. And the game wasn't necessarily lost in the first half as K State uh, was able to to grab it back into a, into a one point game and, and had it you know several opportunities there, but. You hate to have such a huge part of the game go by with without one of your best players able to participate. Yeah, and I mean, Stockard. Yeah, I mean, Stockard and Neil Williams, but they combined for 15 minutes, and that's not killer. But McGurl and they and they don't. But when they're in there, they don't contribute anything. They uh, combined for two rebounds and zero points. Yeah, in 15 minutes. So, so not a lot of production out of those two. But McGurl had 32 minutes, and obviously he a lot of that came from uh, Sneed's minutes. But this was a game where Cartier Jada would be would have been huge. His length out there defending on the perimeter would be huge, and also he adds a little bit more of a scoring punch. So this this is a game where his his absence really hurts uh, K State. Absolutely, feel. absolutely, and. Obviously, Wade going down with what about eight, ten minutes left. Yeah, ten uh, minutes left. And he, you know, he finishes the game uh, playing all playing thirty minutes. So when he leaves, I think it was with like se- seven to nine minutes left to go in the ball game. So he had been playing the entire game, and with with K State's shorthanded roster at this point, th- th- that's what you have to do. Yeah, and um, thankfully. Uh, he was able to play 30 minutes again uh, on Monday, coming off uh, you know a short turnaround against uh, against Iowa State, going on the road to West Virginia. So that was huge. That was and that was great. And we'll get into that West Virginia game here just uh, quickly. Here, I do want to mention Barry Brown. Great performance out of him. I I remember texting you during that game. You could just I could tell early on. Um, I could actually tell before uh, before tip off. He, you know, he does his routine where he's the last guy shooting uh, before, you know, the national anthem and the start of the game. Makes a free throw, as he always does, and he finishes out. So Iowa State is now, uh, they're spread out across the free throw line extended for the, for the national anthem. And Barry Brown steps back behind the arc, and the manager throws him the ball, you know, over the Iowa State uh, folks that are sitting there. And he splashes down like a 26-footer, nothing but net, straight away. And I said, okay, it might be might be a big night for Barry. And it was a big night for him. He had 23 points, 10 of 16 shooting. Uh, oh, three at the line, though. So that, that uh, left some points out there. But uh, he was great, but just wasn't enough as K-State drops one to Iowa State last Saturday. Drew, is there anything else you'd like to cover uh, in regards to this game? No, nothing. I'm, I'm ready to close the chapter on this one and turn the page. Well, that's what we'll do. We'll go on to uh, K-State. Like I mentioned, short turnaround, go on the road to West Virginia. West Virginia, by far the worst team in the league. Uh, very, you think K- K-State has their own shorthanded 
issues with their roster, but uh, with Harris and Ahmad, uh, you know, being not, I mean, being dismissed, being not options, not being options for for Bob Huggins of West Virginia. This was a very shorthanded West Virginia team that has been, quite frankly, getting blown out in, in a lot of their games here as of late. I think they had 16 points at halftime against KU and yeah, that was got, got pasted there. But this West Virginia team uh, probably proved uh, to be maybe a little bit more of a difficult uh, opponent than maybe what we had hoped. But I never really, during this game, is it was kind of nip and tuck there for the first 30 minutes of the game. Never really felt nervous necessarily about what the outcome would be. But uh, K-State's able to pull away and, and get a 14-point victory on the road in Morgantown. Really thought that uh, two guys stuck out to me, uh, Xavier Sneed and, and, and Barry Brown once again. Yeah, Barry did what Barry does. Uh, pretty efficient night, uh, putting up 21 points, four steals, um, and Sneed put up 19. He just feasted. Uh, it was a game where he could really... Uh, you know, some nights he gets hot, and he got hot on uh, on Monday, going five of eight from uh, three. And uh, it was those guys, along with Dean, who was able to recover and played 32 minutes yeah. against West Virginia on but, Saturday. And so yeah, that was great. Uh, I wasn't sure if it was going to be sort of like those Kentucky, like the NCAA tournament games against last Kentucky, year, where yeah. he will quote unquote minutes. play, but yeah. really be a non-factor. But no, he was in there and uh, you know shot uh, shot the ball nine times, drained a couple threes, uh, pulled in six rebounds. So a uh, nice night for Wade, um, for that big man. But our other big man, people uh, pretty frustrated. Give him a bit of a hard time. Yeah, so, I want to go back though to uh, Xavier Sneed. A perfect game from him in the second half. Five of five from the field, four of four from behind the arc. Two for two at the free throw line. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's uh, that's a lot of production. Well, and you know what? It was really on the. He had a. He had when K State pulled away. It was yeah. really Snead uh, taking the charge and making shots. He had sixteen points and six rebounds in the second half. It's a nice night. It's a nice piece. Yeah, and he was in K State. As I mentioned, you, uh, one one uh, little stretch of the game I do want to highlight. Uh, here, D. Lou is K State gets it out to I believe a seven or eight point lead uh, right before the under twelve timeout I believe it was, and West Virginia goes on a quick uh, I think it was about a, a quick eight zero run with uh, you know Bruce trying to buy uh, sent, I mean he sent Barry Brown he sent um, Dean Wade to the bench to try to get him. a a little bit of uh, of an extended breather before the under-12 timeout, and West Virginia took full advantage of that and came back to tie the game up, only for K-State to go on a big run after that. So I thought that was real turning point of the game because at that point, you know, you're in the final 10 minutes of the game. You're on the road against a team that you've let hang around, and I, uh, I think I had seen uh, – I. I believe I was actually listening to uh, John Kurtz of KMAN uh, talking about Fran Fraschilla during the game and how he was kind of annoying him by saying, oh, you leave a team around like this. 
you know, West Virginia can can pull the upset here. And <clears throat> excuse me, he uh, he has points. Uh, K State did leave the door open for West Virginia, but uh, they also slammed it on them uh, shortly thereafter. Yeah, and when I remember when that lineup came in, I thought, okay, this is. Uh... This is interesting. You're this just is, looking for to throw the ball out of bounds here, just as quickly yeah, as we can get the ball let's, stopped, let's get the clock stopped. Get a score back on the court, and uh, no, we we it, it took entirely too long. Gave up a took entirely too long, and it was a grand total of about two minutes. But over that span is when uh, West Virginia brought it back and tied the game, only to uh, have K State once they put in yeah. they put in their starting lineup out of that timeout. Yeah, it was forty two thirty five. It was thirteen minutes. Uh, and then West Virginia had take or had tied the game up uh, just a minute and a half later. So, well, coming out of that timeout, uh, K State starting five gets back out on the court, goes on a uh, significant run, um, a fourteen zero run coming out of that timeout. And so that's the difference. Uh, yeah, that was the difference in the game. And so, um, but what what I think. Monday really taught us the lesson we learned from Monday is just how how um, how thin we are in the post. Uh, yeah, because people can say bad things about the bell cow, which I pray that you don't. But people will do that, and that's fine. They can believe whatever whatever horse crud they want. But behind the bell cow, you got Levi and you got James Love. And we saw how that worked out uh, on Saturday when those two got significant minutes. And when I say significant minutes, they played 17 minutes uh, combined. Uh, you know how many rebounds they got? They got zero. Yeah. Do you know how many points they scored? Uh, zero. I'm guessing zero, yeah. Yeah. How many fouls did they get? They got eight. Eight fouls in 16 minutes. They also combined. Two. They also had a turnover piece as well. <laughs> yeah. So let's not leave so that. So it is just – it turns into – so, yeah – Maywean, people can be frustrated with. He turns the ball. He brings a ball down. He he missed a few dunks on Saturday, which you know that's just a weird mental thing or just bad luck. But he knows how to dunk. But behind him is 17 minutes of zero points, zero oh, rebounds, no and eight fouls. Yeah. And and that's this is what I was talking about when Jada went out. Yeah. Because that is that's who was getting Maywean's minutes. And for whatever reason, Bruce doesn't have enough, doesn't have quite the same confidence in going small with McGurl and Neil Williams. And so he's going to sub in James Love and Levi Stockard, at least some, to give them some minutes. But that is devastating because it's essentially four on five at that point, especially when they, you know, they're not obviously not putting up anything on offense, but they're also not getting rebounds. And they're fouling a lot. Yeah, they in. I mean, I think West Virginia was in the bonus by 14 minutes in each half, which is just and that's a recipe for letting that's, a team hang that, around. That was the one thing that really did concern me. Was now, thankfully, in this game, other than Mayween and Brown picked had three fouls, but I wasn't too worried about him. The guys that were fouling though were our bench players, which okay. If that's all, if they're not going to contribute, at least they're the ones picking up the fouls. That's the only really positive thing that you except can say. for Mayween got fouled. May, yeah, he, he got he came two, out in the first two half. quick ones. Yeah, 
Uh, Into the game with three fouls, mind you. Yeah, and one guy that I, I did want to highlight here that I thought did a really good job. I only played 40 minutes, but I thought uh, Austin Trice really uh, contributed. I mean, the stats aren't going to reflect it, okay? So he had one rebound on four minutes. So you're going to say, hey, Icon, why are you waxing poetic about Austin Trice? Hey, Icon, why are you waxing poetic about Austin Trice? Well, you know, here's why. I thought he did a much better job on uh, Culver for West Virginia than either Stockard or Love had done all night up to that point. And you look at it, he was able to, I mean, Trice is a little bit, a little bit tougher, a little bit. He's a banger. Yeah, he's a little bit more of a banger. Uh, and you worry about when he's in the game on, on offense with where he's at right now, but it actually worked out kind of well because West Virginia had been mixing in quite a bit of zone, and they they stayed in zone there uh, to where he could kind of just hang out on the baseline, you know, serve as a guy that if the ball gets the high post and they collapse on Dean Wade or Snead or Brown or whoever's in the high post at that point, he's there for the 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 dump down and you know able to finish at the rim. You don't have to you know, be a real polished offensive player to be able to do that. So it was a really good stretch for the four minutes that he was in as K-State was in the midst of that run. And uh, I thought he provided some really good minutes for K-State. Uh, the, um, the stats aren't going to necessarily reflect that, but if you were watching the game uh, closely, I, I think you'd have that same opinion. Absolutely. I mean, at this point, I'm much more comfortable – seeing Trice come off the bench before Stockard, before Love, to be our next post player after the bell cow. Uh, just because, like I said, he's just based on what we saw Monday. Obviously, we don't have know the whole story, but he just seems more willing to be aggressive down there, play better defense, and, and bang up against some of these better post players in the Big 12. Well, and even, too, with, with Trice... He played four minutes, so not a ton. But he played those four minutes without fouling, too, which I think is also um, also noteworthy. I mean, when you, when you see Levi Soccer played six minutes, picked up four fouls. Yeah, I mean, if he was our other two big men at their pace, they would have each had two fouls, or they oh, would have combined for two fouls in there. Yeah, so you look at what Trice was able to do uh, with do not only – Able to do it, also to do without fouling. Um, thought it was very impressive, and maybe we'll see that light flicker on for him now because he came in with the hope by a lot of K State fans, and I think probably with the coaching staff too, if we're going to be honest, to be a real rotation piece for this team, and he he quite frankly hasn't. No, and so, and that's because of he's so limited offensively, but. That's okay at this point. We can we can work with that because of the situation we're in. That we don't need Hakeem Olajuwon to be walking in, backing up the bell cow. We just need a guy who can give us 10 minutes of solid defense here and there to give uh, our other rotation a, a you know a breather. Um, just be just 
come in before Love and Stockard. That and, <laughs> we and, just can't and a Bruce Weber a Bruce Weber quote is always just be solid. Be solid. And that's, that's right. And that's what uh, that's what would be a great Go in comment. there and give us some Luke Cologne minutes. Just be a guy who can go in there, take up space, maybe rebound some, play some play some defense, but just try not to screw anything up. Yep. <laughs> that's that, I, don't, I don't think that's asking we're, we're, too much. We're not we're not asking for the world here for yeah. sure. So, uh, K-State gets a nice victory here over West Virginia. I want to point something out to, to you. Please do. You, you know I'm a numbers guy. Oh, you, you, you're crunching I, numbers constantly. I, I, I'm constantly. I saw you with your abacus last night yeah. pouring over this stat. Yeah, exactly. I'm always just grinding on stats. You know this. So, I mentioned in detail last week, uh, in last week's episode of the, the Short Side Option podcast, that K-State, uh, since the KU game, uh, had been their games have been decided by seven points. That's right. Okay. Well, with the Iowa State game being a fourteen-point decision, with it being a loss, the West Virginia game being a fourteen-point decision by loss, we just multiplied that by two. Okay, so seven times two, of course, fourteen. I'm sure. Are you? Are you? You're sticking with me here. Let me. Let me. Okay. Yeah, that adds up. But what does it all mean, Drew? I don't know. I think I have an idea of what it means. You know what? Folks, we're going to give you an idea of what it means after a short break here. But we're going to get, uh, we're going to get into what it all means for K-State. We're also going to answer your questions and highlight another in the long line of Wildcat legends here after the break. But K-State uh, drops the game to Iowa State, rebounds with a nice road victory. Over West Virginia, Delu. Anything you'd like to add on the final two games? No, I just liked seeing. I just like how despondent Bob Huggins has gotten this season. It's a tough year for Huggins. Yeah, it's a. It's a sad time for for Huggins, but um, you know he's he remains in our prayers and in yeah. our hearts. We won't. Uh, I, I don't think I'll lose too much sleep over it. So that does it here for the first part of the short side option. We'll be back after a short break to bring you the rest. Join us. After the break. Snake farm. All right, welcome back to this week's edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. We are going to jump shortly for a short period of time into this game on Saturday against Oklahoma State in Manhattan. Tips off at 3 p.m. and you can find that on ESPN2 on the Deuce. Uh, we were talking before the break about what all the numbers suggest on I'm Saturday. I'm so confused. Yeah. You should see. I've just been doodling. On pads of paper, just like Russell Crowe in A Beautiful Mind. I'm yeah, trying to figure this out. You're perplexed. Well, I can be fuddled. Don't worry. I'm here to tell you. Oh, thank God. Uh, I'm running out of ink on my pens. <laughs> I'm, my quills, it's it's all disheveled now. Let me explain. Settle okay. down. Okay. Sit down. Okay. I'm sitting. K-State beat Kansas by seven. They did, yeah. Mm-hmm. K-State beat Baylor by seven. K-State beat Texas by seven. K-State beat, or I'm sorry, K-State lost to Iowa State they did, yeah. by 14, and then beat West Virginia by 14. Exactly. So three games in which the difference was decided by seven, two games in which the difference was decided by 14. True. It's, there's, it's also clear to me now. Oklahoma State's going to be a 21-point margin of victory for the winning team. The key is figuring out which team is going to win by 21 points. Who do you think? 
Oh, I think it'll be K-State. Oh, you think it'll be yeah, K-State? Yeah, of course. I, I do, too. That's that's where I lean. But in any event, uh, the winning team on Saturday will win by uh, 21 points because that's that's destiny, baby. Yeah. Um, anything anything about this game that jumps out to you that didn't jump out to you the first time? K-State, is K-State going to have a hard time uh, without Jada in this game, or do you expect K-State to roll the ball out there and pretty much walk away comfortably? You know, I... I do think that, I mean, obviously it would be great to have Cartier uh, in, in the fold for this one. But, no, I don't think it's a game that K-State's just going to be able to roll the ball out and, and get a W. Uh, I think that they should win, and I think that they're going to win by 21 points, as we've discussed. However, Oklahoma State has has some players. Um, they're very shorthanded, as we discussed on our initial preview of Oklahoma State. They're as shorthanded as any team in the conference. Um, having had the stage walk-on tryouts in order to just get a full team to practice with. So the stars are really kind of the same guys. Cameron McGriff, Lindy Waters, and uh, Thomas DeZagua. DeZagua and Waters, two of the best three-point shooters in the conference, both shooting over 45%. Wow. So... What I will say is if you think this is a game that K-State just rolls the ball out there, game's over, you might want to watch out because uh, Waters and Dezagua, they'll be able to keep Oklahoma State in any game that they play in the Big 12 if they're hitting shots. And they, they're going to shoot in volume because there ain't a lot else on that team. So... If someone's going to shoot the ball every time down, you might as well have your best player shoot it. And uh, Dezago really was cooking the other night in, in a big win against TCU. Uh, played 39 minutes, uh, was 6 of 11 from 3, uh, chipped in 23 points uh, for the Cowboys. as They, they get a nice win uh, at home against, uh, against the Frogs, snapping a five-game losing streak. And in these games that they've been playing since the K-State game, uh, they lost on the road at TCU. They lost on the road to KU by 12. They, they did, and they got their blow, uh, the doors blown out by uh, Texas Tech at home. That happened, and then they lost to Texas just previously last Saturday uh, by a pretty healthy margin. But this Oklahoma State team, their record's not going to scare you when you see that they're set in ninth place in the conference. But... Uh, They've got enough players to make to make the game interesting. How do you see this game uh, turning out? Well, uh, I think the Cats kind of out of the bag there, D. Louie. I've got K-State by 21 in this one. I think uh, the one thing I'm a little bit worried about with K-State in this game is is the foul trouble. You, you hate to see – this is a game where even with K-State's shortened bench where they've got an advantage in depth uh, over an even more depleted – uh, Oklahoma State team. So you worry about uh, a couple guys picking up a quick couple fouls. Of course, you worry about uh, the health of Dean Wade and Kamau Stokes. Uh, both have been reported to kind of have been game time decisions going in the West Virginia game, but both guys they get an extra day here. They get they get an extra couple days, and having uh, you know getting the ability to not have to travel before the game, getting uh, into your normal routine there of a home game. Uh, should help a little bit, but I, I do think K-State's the better team here, and, and I've got them winning. And uh, I have K-State, I have this game pegged, K-State can roll the ball out and win. 
Okay. Um, I have uh, I'm looking at uh, 70 to 49. So, uh, 21 points, obviously. Uh, did you list the final score? No, I did not. Why don't you bless the uh, listeners? Why don't you grace the listeners with your uh, prediction? 75. 54. Cats. Okay. Matt checks out on that, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you, okay, you checked it on your app because I, I appreciate I left mine back. <laughs> In yeah. your backpack. Yeah, my backpack from all the writing of numbers I've been doing over the last couple of days. It's just... It's got me in a tizzy. <laughs> well, uh, that'll wrap up our Oklahoma State preview, which will bring us in to uh, our next part of the show, where we're going to introduce you this week's Wildcat Legend. And icon, this week's Wildcat Legend, uh, he's another player for uh, the great Jim Woldridge. Uh, his hometown, this might give it away, Sao Paulo, Brazil. Okay. He is... Uh, He's a great shooter. Do you know where I'm going with this? Uh, Drew, I, I think I do. Uh, it's, of course... Gilson de Jesus. Gilson de Jesus, that's right. Gilson, uh, really a, a really good player. Uh, he was a talented shooter uh, and was really the Wildcats' top shooting threat from the perimeter and played a little bit of small forward, played a little bit of shooting guard. He had some size, 6'6". Six, six, uh, but before we get into his time at K-State, we'll kind of give him a little bit of background. Uh, in Brazil, he played with at the club level uh, in his youth with Franca in Sao Paulo, Brazil. I uh, started playing when he was six. And in his final season with Franca, uh, he averaged 25 points and 10 boards. So some good stuff out of there on the, uh, on the club unit, the club circuit down in Brazil. Uh... After that, he went. Uh, he came to the states, and actually, originally, he attended Rhode Island out of oh, school. Oh, okay. How about that? I did not know that. Yeah, and uh, attended Trinidad State in Colorado. Uh, of course, Trinidad State, coached uh, by Jim Tuple back then, and really tore it up. He was ranked as one of the top sixty junior college players uh, by CNNSI.com. Uh, averaged twenty-one points, eight boards. In 2000-2001, and really just shot lights out, 44% from three. And uh, the next year, averaged 20, uh, averaged 22 points. Excuse me, I'm, I'm a little faulty here. I'm doing this all by memory, of course. Of course. And uh, 8.6 boards. You're doing great. In 2000, uh, in 2000-2001, excuse me. Uh, but really a diamond in the rough find by Jim Waldridge. A guy with that size, he would shoot that well. Uh, and when he finally arrived in Manhattan, uh, his hot shooting continued. His In his junior season, so that would have been the 2001-2002 season, uh, he was averaging, you know, not not lighting the scoreboard up, but did average 6.2 points per game and uh, shot a respectable 36, 37% from three. Okay. But his senior year is when he really showed up. Yeah, I... Of course. Uh, that year, he shot 43.7% from beyond the arc, averaged 11.2 boards per, or 11.2 points per game, and uh, notched in about five rebounds per game, too. So really an all-around player, a guy that could really get hot I mean, from he, three. And he did, he did all for K-State. I, I remember uh, he was lauded 
by Jim Wolder just being just a great teammate and a, and a great guy to have in the locker room as well. Well, absolutely. And speaking of him being a great guy, I have a little personal anecdote with Gilson Day. Oh, do tell. I uh, Back in, it would have been his senior season, so it would have been 2002, 2003. I'd never been to a KUK State basketball game before. Okay. And, uh, so I was uh, about 13 or something. Okay. Uh, not quite in high school yet, but... Uh, I went up to Manhattan one night, and K-State was playing KU on a Saturday, uh, on a weekend day, and I stayed w- with my sisters who were attending college there, and that night we were going to watch a movie or something and take it easy, but I uh, we went to Dylan's out in Westloof, and know, know it well. We're, I'm walking down the aisle, and guess what I see? Big Gilly. The, Wildcat, the, the future Wildcat legend, Gilson DeJesus. And I went up and talked to him a little bit, and I said, you know, Gilson, I'm rooting for you tomorrow. And he said, thanks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, Drew, I have a question, if, if I may. Yeah. What was in his cart? You know, here's the thing. Nothing. Huh. As far as I know, he was just wandering the aisles of Dylan's. You know, actually, it's funny you mentioned that, because it's, it's starting to link back up in, in my mind as I look around on my sheets of paper that I've scribbled all over uh, looking at numbers. But I believe I remember Gilson DeJesus's pregame ritual of the night before a big game. He just wandered the grocery store. Yeah, that was his thing. That was his thing. And he's kind of a Phil Jackson Zen thing. Yeah, it really cleared his, cleared his mind and got him in the right frame of mind to go out there and, and bomb away from three. That's right. Now, K-State would go on to lose that game the next day uh, by 18 points, but, hey, it wasn't... Don't look at Gilson. <laughs> yeah, don't look at me. <laughs> That's know, what he always said, too. <laughs> Whenever anything would go wrong, he'd say, hey, what? don't look at Gilson. You know, and it, Drew, as you mentioned, he was, a, he was really a terrific outside shooter. And to quote, and I, I'd kind of like to leave, you, uh, you can, of course, can chime in after this, but this is my final parting thought on Gilson DeJesus, is that uh, as former Wildcat great, not quite a legend yet, as we have not named him such, but as former Wildcat great Bill Walker once said, give me Gilson. Give me I've, been, Gilson. I've been sleeping on him, but give me Gilson. Give me Gilson. Man, That's give me all Gilson. Give me this week's Wildcat legend. Gilson DeJesus is this week's Wildcat legend. Now, listeners, we're going to move into our final segment of the show, a segment we call Ask the Icon, where listeners to the Short Side Option podcast can ask uh, the Short Side Option podcast's very own Chris the Icon Sork a question. And uh, um, he'll he'll answer it right here on the air, right here on the podcast. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah. That's right. Yeah. And uh, listeners can submit their questions by tweeting at the short side option uh, at TSSO underscore podcast on Twitter or using the hashtag AskTheIcon or, um, you know, also a number of other ways. We've, you know, we've, <laughs> we've had those well documented. Uh, you know, write a, here's an idea if you want. R- write it. Just get a piece of paper. Scribble it on it. Scribble your, write your question on it. Then turn it into a paper airplane, and maybe, uh, maybe if you see us at a game, throw it at us. And we've also—I I, want to let the listeners know 
we'd actually establish a nice bird feeder uh, outside uh, that is particularly welcoming to carrier pigeons. Yeah, with that, that's right. We talked about that. Yeah, and you know we've we've replenished the bird feeder. It's up and running as days. I think there's maybe a little bit. We've had a lot of snow here, but I think warmer days are ahead. And, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, that's that's also a very much an acceptable way of of getting in touch with us. Yeah, try using the bird feeder, guys. We we have it for a reason, and I don't think we've received even. A, we haven't received very many questions to it. I don't know if we've received any. And I, Drew, I don't think it's. Well, we haven't had a nibble that way. A bad investment. It, I, I'm. I'm. I think I'm in the long game for this. Okay. 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 Well, yeah, that's how you can get them to us. Um, and so we'll jump right into it here. Uh, our first question uh, comes from listener Gut. Uh, Gut asks the following. Thoughts on Zion Williamson's injury being a conspiracy. Did a Tar Heel fan or, or staff alter the shoe so it would break and cause an injury? Word how you would want to. <laughs> Gut's having a hard time, <laughs> hard time writing here. Uh, we'll get back. Also, thoughts on him seeding out the rest of the season, even if better to avoid another injury? Or any player, for that matter, sitting out? What has it done to the game? Um, stupid. Pick and choose how you want to word it, <laughs> but it could be good content. <laughs> that's, good, that's good stuff. For yeah, I, I should have read that last sentence for, in my head first. Because reading that question was a gauntlet. Well, you know, gut. <laughs> but good job by gut. That's a good job by so, gut. So go on. How would you, what do you think? Well, I think any type of talk about a conspiracy is asinine, to be, to be frank. Hey, come on. Watch your language. And, uh, but, you know, it, how you were to, um, I, I guess maybe if you were going to try to, you know, Destroy a person's shoe without them knowing, so that would give out the first sign of, of of toughness. You know where he's going to cut or something like that. Maybe like drill a hole with a drill mm. right through the middle of his shoe yeah. and then like cover it up with tape. He'd never know, I'm sure. He'd never know. Yeah. But yeah, what do you think of him sitting out the rest of the season? I hope it doesn't happen uh, for the sake of college basketball. You know, it's it's he's a great player. You'd love to see him continue to play, um, but. At the same time, you can understand, you know, what maybe parents, handlers, whoever is in his ear says, hey, you don't need to do anything. You're already the number one pick. Quite frankly, though, I think he'll play as soon as he's able to play because that's what he that's what he's that's what he's going to do. I mean, he's a he's a basketball player. Players play. Uh, I, I hope and I expect him to continue to play the season. All right, well, that was a great question, uh, Gut, and uh, great to hear from you. Our next questioner comes from listener Weems. Okay. Uh, Weems asks, as a dedicated Cats fan who has struggled to cheer for Kamau Stokes since his injury last year, what should I focus on in his game to learn to appreciate what he does bring to the team? Well, what his biggest strength uh, to me is he runs a pretty good – he runs the show pretty well as a point guard, uh, getting – K-State in, in good sets and, and moving the ball pretty well. I remember his freshman and sophomore year, uh, my dad had a great line as we were watching him play. He said I, he must get his scholarship paid by the dribble because he would just pound the ball out there and just try dribbling a hole through the, through the, uh, through the court. But, 
you know, he's got a lot better at moving the ball. He's got a great – I'm going to look this up real quick uh, here, D. Louie, but uh, he probably has one of the top assist-to-turnover ratios on the team. Um, a guy who also has been K-State's – one of K-State's more consistent three-point shooters. In a team that doesn't have a wealth of, of ability to shoot it from behind the arc – He's been pretty good uh, this year for K-State. I mean, he's not a not a great sh- shooter, but he's shooting the ball 35%, which is up from 31%, what he was shooting last year. Um, he's got, you know, a 3-2 assist-to-turnover ratio. So not great, but, you know, not bad either. So he moves the ball pretty well, and he's been a consistent player. He's also, I thought, this year, one thing that I've noticed is when he left last year and when Jada was getting those minutes of point guard, uh, Jada, the first thing you notice with him in comparison to Stokes is he's much bigger, much uh, lengthier, better defender, a little bit more physical, you know, bigger guy. Right. But I thought Stokes this year has really improved his defense. And, you know, one concern that you have with him is he's had injuries uh, throughout his career at K-State. And you hope that during this final stretch that he's able to stay healthy because uh, K-State will need his contributions throughout, uh, whether if it's you know, run the show from the point guard position and, uh, you know, getting other guys involved or, or knocking down shots from behind the arc. Well, now we know how to uh, properly appreciate yeah. Cam. That was, a, that was a great question. Good job, bud. Good job by Williams there. Uh, next question comes from listener Steven at BeantownCat22. Steven asks, Hello, Icon. Can you please rate on a scale of 1 to 10 the chicken salad sandwich from Arby's? Uh, deal with one being the best or the worst? Uh, let's say one is the worst. One. One. Not a fan. No. All you're right. a, you're a fool if you get, um, the chicken salad sandwich from Arby's. You're a complete, another fool. Another fool. Another fool. Uh, next question comes from listener Jesse Kirkwood, at Jesse Kirkwood on Twitter. Jesse asks... You have to pick one color commentator and one play-by-play person to call KSU basketball games for the rest of the season. Who do you got? I know, I know, probably your color guy, but I probably, but I don't know your. your Who do you think my color guy is? It's gonna be Raftery. (laughs) A little nickel dimer there on the big fella. (laughs) No, yeah, it's absolutely Bill Raftery. Yeah, Uh, Bill Raftery is by far my favorite color commentator. Uh, That's a good job by you. That's. You know, that's almost like a, instead of ask the icon, that from you right there, that's like, no, the icon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, Bill Raftery, uh, I could do imitations of him all day. Uh, K-State starts out a little men to men, as they often do to start the game. But uh, for the play-by-play guy, I'm going to look no further than uh, his longtime uh, broadcasting partner, Sean McDonough. Oh, there you go. Uh, big fan of Sean McDonough. He doesn't really call any Big 12 games. He calls the uh, the first game, the six o'clock Central Time tip off on Big Monday. Usually some ACC action there, but uh, Bill Raftery and Sean McDonough uh, really, as far as I am concerned, are uh, the gold standard of college basketball broadcasters. Not that you don't you don't want any Ben Boyle. No. Hmm. no. Um. All right, we'll move on. To David Saban at Saban Nation. David asks, over under nine and a half wins for the Scorpion Cats the rest of the season. 
So nine and a half. That's an interesting number there from uh, Dave here as we pull up the schedule. K-State has a total of, oh golly, if my computer would cooperate. They've got what? They're, they have five regular they have five season games they, So they have six games, seven games minimum. Yeah, that's right. Seven games minimum. So the way I see this thing going is I only see K-State losing one more game in the regular season. At the at the at the house of uh, of excrement. Yeah, I'm gonna leave the uh, the fans uh, or the listeners out there. I'm gonna leave them on the edge of the seats because okay. I'm not quite ready to get a, give a pick Fair enough. yet on that one. However, um, one thing I would look at. So K State's got at least seven games left on the schedule, and his, his number was seven and a half. Uh, no, nine and a half. Nine and a half. So he's pretty much asking, are we going like to the Final Four of the National Championship game? No, because there's a Big 12 tournament in there, too. Yeah. So you go, what? I mean, if you have one game that you lose here in the regular season, so you finish out with, with four wins there, let's say you get two wins in the Big 12 tournament, and then three more, that's nine. Oh, yeah, so, you're right. So that... I mean, you're almost looking at uh, at nine and a half. Is his number correct? Yeah, assuming we lose a game uh, during the regular season. Well, yeah. I if if it's nine, I hope we lose the rest of the games in the regular season. That's true. Yeah. I, I hope we lose out here. Um, but no, I I will go ahead and say under. I'll say right at nine. Right at nine, huh? Yeah. Because I I almost kind of don't really mind if we lose in the semifinals of a of a Big Twelve tournament, but uh, with with this kind of, the, the kind of, that's a great question from Dave. He says it's nine and a half. Nine and a half. Ten more games. That's a lot. Uh, if if, I, if you put if you put a gun to my head, I'd probably have to take the under. That would be a thirty win season for Kansas State. It'd be impressive. Yeah, uh, thirty wins is and and Dave he brings up a great question there because thirty wins is. That's a quite the that's quite would be quite the mark. I don't know if when the last time K State had thirty wins in a season, but you know what? We'll we'll get to looking on that, and we we might have something for you here by the end of the show. Yeah, absolutely. We or we'll just we won't look it up. We'll just remember. Yeah, I'll, it'll just come to us eventually. That's right. Just let let me noodle on it. Uh, next question comes from listener Tyler H at th8 underscore. Tyler asks, Icon, quick one here. CK and the bell cow playing one-on-one to 21 by ones and twos. Chester Peters style. Does Kelly dunk on Mac for all 21 points, or does he knock down a hook shot three to finish after the first eight dunks? Does Mac even score? Yeah, he scores. Yeah, he scores. Yeah. So, I guess, is he, how do you see that game going? There, we were some, there was some chatter this week about Kelly versus, yeah. versus the bell cow. Yeah, well, Curtis Kelly's a pro. Okay, so this guy's been playing overseas uh, in over in Europe for a number of years. If they were to play out, you got to take Curtis Kelly. There's no question about that. Yeah, but Belkow's career isn't finished. No, no, it's yet. not. It's not. But you're comparing a pro right now to a. To oh, a yeah, player. right I mean, now. I think. Yeah. But in their prime. In their prime. I mean, in their college days. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm still taking Curtis Kelly. But, you know, people have been very unfair to the Belkow. And quite frankly, I don't like it, Drew. And you know the the dunking thing. 
Just give him a break. It was in his head. Just give him a break. Stop talking about it. Shut up about it. Thank you. Thank you. But, no, I mean, Curtis Keller wins that game, but Mac scores. Mac gets some buckets. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Uh... Okay, Tyler has a follow-up question, uh, kind of a different uh, realm here. He says, forget Arby's. What's your okay. favorite item on the Sonic menu? Oh, boy. Okay. Um, hmm. Drew, I know yours. What's that? Yours is the Frito Chili Wrap. That's right. That's, right. that's, a, that's, a, that's a great It's item. a great piece. And, you know, you look at, like, the most, and I'm not going to say this, but you look at like the most basic staple of the Sonic menu. It's the chair lemonade. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, if you're going to go, there's there's no question. Yeah, I mean, I mean, some might say tots, but no, cherry lemonade's probably there. See, they're tots. You, you can get good tots, a lot of places. Yeah, but what you can't get is some Sprite with some grenadine in it. You and can't a chair. get that. You can't get that every place. No lime. No, you can't. Although I bet, I bet you could. <laughs> I bet most every bar has can make yeah, a cherry but, lemonade. Yeah, but we're not at a bar. We're at a fast food restaurant. Yeah, but so I guess the secret there is limes. Like McDonald's might not have limes. They might not have. No, they do. McDonald's has a cherry lemonade. I've never had it, but they do have one. Okay. But any anyhow, what's so is cherry lemonade made your answer? That's no, your, that's the best it, piece. It's it's not. It's not. It's the corn dog. <laughs> wow, that's my favorite. And you can't get that just anywhere. You really can't. You really can't. And the corn dog is just, I mean, when you think about all the, all the things that come to mind that are associated with corn dogs. I mean, what, what, what comes to your mind first? First and foremost. Isn't that what people would call Les Miles? Don't they call them corn dogs? It's LSU fans. Like, they, they say LSU oh, fans. Oh, LSU fans are corn dogs? Well, they, they say they smell like corn dogs. Uh, uh, well, Katy Perry said that one time, but I don't, I don't... You don't pay attention to that. I don't subscribe to Pop what culture. everyone in the, in the Hollywood elite has to say, okay? Uh, anyway, what comes to mind for me is, uh, like, fairs, carnivals. Okay, yeah. Fairs, car- carnivals. But I ask you to go a little bit deeper here, Okay. With fairs and carnivals, what kind of emotion does that bring out in you? Maybe Americana, freedom. Does are, does that mean anything to you? Fairs, it's a lot of animals. They give me allergies. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. They do, don't they? Yeah, but yeah, sure. I guess um, yeah. I guess that that's Americana yeah. associated with it too. And uh, that's that's what I think of when I think of corn dogs. They got good corn dogs too. They do. They have very good corn dogs. All right. Well, that was a great great job there by uh, Tyler. Great question. Uh, yeah, and his final question, another Zion question. Uh, with the Zion blowout and the Cats' perpetual foot and leg issues, is it time to reconsider our Nike association? I hear Adidas does things the recruits love. Hmm. That's interesting. I don't, I don't know what... Uh, I know K-State has like a, some sort of, obviously, agreement with Nike. Don't know the length on that. Uh, but for if K-State was to get rid of... Nike, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of curtail not curtail but go a little bit off the beaten path here with this question. Careful, because don't get into uniform stuff. I know, and I'm not going to. But if Casey had to change from Nike to something else, what would you? What would you like to see him change to? A New Balance. Yeah, think so. Yeah, we'd be there. We'd be there. Flagship. Flagship program. What about Rydell? That'd be great. 
I know Georgia Tech doesn't use them anymore, which is shameful, well, personally. But Rydell, what's Rydell? You thinking of Russell? It's a bad job by me. There. It's a Russell, bad job by Russell me. Athletic. Excuse me. Does uh, Rydell makes the like the helmets? helmets. Yeah. Does that's uh, a bad job by me, folks? I'm sorry about. Does that. Ohio still use Russell? I don't think I don't know. I don't believe they do. They, they just completely. Out but of I, see, I don't pay attention to uniforms and stuff like that. I don't. I don't I'm care. more interested in the contracts because. Because the more money you get from the programs, the more squat racks you can build. And, yeah. You know. And also, you can buy more projectors for film study. That's right. Which is... And, and just film. Yeah. Exactly. You can get, Stuff's get, not free. get some nice reels of film to break down and analyze. But, uh, no, I, Adidas, I'm not a big fan of their stuff. So, I, I'm, I'm going to say I don't, like, I don't own any type of Adidas apparel, whether it's shorts T-shirts, anything like that. So, if K-State had to go to the Adidas, I know the recruits love them. They do the things that they uh, they like by uh, by paying players illegally, cheating, blatant disregard for laws and decency. But I hope K-State uh, remains with Nike in regards to that. No, we're strong for Phil Knight. Uh, final question, final questioner, I should say is the Michael Beasley fan club president. And Mr. President asks, uh, by the way, he is at KSU underscore funny 33. Mr. President asks, what is your favorite piece of K-State memorabilia? Oh. Wow. Great question. Yeah. Um, And I believe maybe I had answered something along those lines where I had uh, just brought it up on my own in in a previous edition of the short side option, but this is a great question. I'm happy to... uh, Happy to, to answer this now, but I have this little collage. Uh, it's a frame collage of a couple of different pictures, and the centerpiece of this picture, uh, of this collage, is a Michael Bishop autograph. So I got it when I was probably, you know, first, second grade. I, think it would have been, I guess it would have been first grade. And uh, it, it's got some pictures of, you know, me and my, my family, uh, like K State ticket from the Fiesta Bowl the year before. Nice picture of Michael Bishop, and that that signature of Michael Bishop, that autograph, is is, is the centerpiece. And uh, my sister had a class with Michael Bishop, had um, him sign the back of a homework assignment, and that's what's uh, that's what the, that's what the <laughs> autograph sign is uh, is the back of a homework assignment. Uh, so, uh, big ups to big ups to Rebecca there on that. Yeah, good job by her. That's a good job by her there. That's very good good work from her. And our president asks. Uh, the final question, which is, what's the greatest K-State football game you've been in attendance for? Same question, but for basketball. Mm, the greatest game I've ever been. You know, this is a bummer because a lot of K-State football's great wins, I haven't been there for. Really? Well, I think the biggest game. Well, okay, so I take that back. I guess the my favorite one... I mean, the biggest game that they've won that I've been in attendance for is 98 Nebraska, but I'm first grade, so I'm a little too young to really mm. have the... Really grasp the significance of... Yeah, and really, and really have it in... Now, I've seen the replay of that game a dozen times, but in terms of really being there for it, I, you kind of get a little cheated out on that just due to the age. However, um, for basketball, I can answer this. Okay. For basketball, I can answer this. For 
for basketball, it's uh, my freshman year at Kansas State. Uh, K-State beats KU in the Valentine's Day Massacre behind 38 points from Jacob Pullen. That's that's my favorite basketball game. Easy. I believe KU was – were they number one? I don't know if they – I don't think they were number one. I think they were They were in the top – they were in the top uh, top five, I believe, at the time. Uh, Doe, did you got you got something for me there? Or? Nope. Nope. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> What, what, what am I paying you for, man? Uh, no, but uh, that, that's probably my favorite basketball game. What, what about you in terms of a basketball game? Uh, that would be that'd be mine too. Uh, football would be uh, Big Twelve Championship 03. Seeing I wasn't there for that one, mm, yeah. but for football, you know, I actually I guess I have mine. 2012 OU. Oh, you were down there for it. Yeah, that was yeah, a that's game. cool. That I, you know, I haven't really been to very many. Well, I, K-State hasn't won a ton of huge games on the road. Yeah, and that's kind of what makes that game uh, really you know, special because that was a game that going into the season I had circled as a game that if K-State's going to go out there and win the Big 12, this is a game they have to win. It was, it was an early game. I think it was the uh, second game of K-State's um, conference season, I believe. Yep. And they came out. They they took care of business, and they. Um, it was one of those games too, where K State really and uh, dominated for a little bit of the at the end, kind of where they were able to really run out the clock. Okay, I believe they got that game or got the ball back uh, after OU had scored, got the ball back with like six, seven minutes left, and killed the rest of the clock. John Hubert. John Hubert, Colin Klein. And Klein had several big completions. Uh, Tremaine Thompson, Tyler Lockett uh, in that game that uh, really sealed the deal. Going back, though, D. Louie, KU was number one. No, that's a good job by you. Uh, when K-State uh, beat them 84-68, to in the octagon of doom. Big win. Big win for Frank. Big win for Frank. Big win for K-State. So, uh, for your, and so yours was uh, the OU game in 03 for favorite football one? Yep. It's hard to beat. Yeah, that was a game that I wish I uh, had the uh, the fortune of being there for, but instead I just was curled up at home with, uh, with my main man, Brent. Calling the action. And your cat. And my cat, Paul. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, well, folks, that'll do it here for uh, this edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. D. Lewis, is there anything you'd like to say here to our to our wonderful listeners? No. Have a great day. That's all you have to say to them? Yeah. I love you. That's very, that's, that's very nice. Yeah, I don't say. think I've ever told them that before. But Well, I think they've always known that, but now, now they've heard it from Feels you. good to say. Feels good to say. Well, folks, that'll do it here for us on this week's edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. We'll be back with a Sunday night recording of the short side option to review the Oklahoma State basketball game and preview uh, part two of the Sunflower Showdown as K-State will head to KU uh, for a big matchup uh, among teams here in the state of Kansas. Should be a lot of fun, uh, but we'll have, a, we'll have a recording of that on Sunday night. So stay tuned uh, for more content here from the short side option podcast. That'll do it for this edition of the Short Side Option. Thanks for listening, and go Cats!